This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's how I take care of me, so I can take care of everyone else. I simply wouldn't be without it. Made in Ireland, made for me. Sharon has discovered the power of Revive Active. Revive Active is an award-winning super supplement containing 26 active ingredients, including vitamin C, D and zinc, which support the immune system, all in one handy daily sachet. Made for busy, hectic lives, it's the convenient way to put back what life takes out. Enrich your life with Revive Active. No one can clearly foresee the future, but the appearance of any period of history is a direct outcome of the social, economic, and technical conditions then existing. You know, I feel like going somewhere cool. It spans the globe like a superhighway. It is called... Millions of Americans own a personal computer. If you're one of them, you can now glimpse the future with nothing more than a modem, a phone line, and a few dollars a month. Internet is a growing grid of independent computer networks interlaced. It's evolved from a U.S. military bulletin board in the 1970s to a worldwide computer switchboard. There is no modern world without the Internet. Like the Industrial Revolution before it, the Internet and the information age it sparked has created a seismic shift that Stan! Stan, I gotta use your computer! What? My Internet's not working. I gotta use yours. And, and give Daddy some private time, will you? My Internet's not working either. What? What? The internet is increasingly interwoven deeply into everything we do. Devices, DVRs, cameras, uh, phones, refrigerators, toasters, all of these types of internet of things, devices, are all actually computers. You can also essentially turn off the switches, turn off the electricity, and you're not just pinpointing a problem, you are shutting it down for everybody. We are losing money. Some other clients, we are scared to take their projects because we are not stable, which means we're also losing money. Two major enterprises that are part of our critical infrastructure, one financial, one transportation, had systemic failures that brought their whole systems down. What's happening? Now that was a blast. <laughs> Where do you want to go next? Hello and welcome to Science-ish. I'm Rick Edwards, joined as ever by Dr. Michael Brooks. Hello. 
Were you tempted at any point when you knew we were coming back to do season three, which is effectively an infinitely long season? We're going yeah. to do it forever, weekly. Were you tempted to develop a new catchphrase? Because obviously Hello's been working for you in the previous two seasons, but I just thought you maybe you'd come back with something fresh. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I, I'm wondering if it is broke. I don't think it is. Listeners, what do you think? Yeah, please let us know. <laughs> but go on, just, just road I mean, test a couple of I, others. I could just say my name, so... No, 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 I'll always say your name. Uh, so it would be, I'm Rick Edwards, joined as ever by Dr. Michael Brooks. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> no? No, I don't think I like that. Let's stick with hello, I, I think. think hello works. That was a very bad impression of Joey from Friends. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, and that was another even worse impression <laughs> of Joey from Friends. So this week it is your it's your turn. Yes, it is. You're in the hot seat. I am. Which topic are you going to put to the sword? So we are going to talk about the internet. Oh yeah, yeah. What we're kind going of to stuff? talk. Well, we're going to talk about our reliance on the internet mm. and whether you could actually get rid of the internet. What would it take? Can you kill the internet? Can you kill the internet? What's the fiction? The fiction is you won't believe this. It's only a short story. Oh, that's a first. A first. Never done a short yes. story before. Sh- short story. The story is called The Machine Stops. Written by E.M. Forster. Yes. In 1909. About the internet. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You've gone mad. How how is this even possible? This is an amazing piece of fiction. So what he imagines in this story is that people are shut up in little cells by themselves and they're connected by this thing called the machine, which gives them the facility to connect to each other on what is basically FaceTime. It's literally a network over which they watch, and this is the really funny thing, they basically watch lectures, TED Talks, so he's predicted the internet and TED Talks. He has predicted the internet, FaceTime well and TED Talks. And so people give these 10-minute lectures and this is where everyone gets their ideas from. And the most important thing is having an idea and then sharing your idea exactly as ideas worth spreading in the TED format. So uh, they're all completely reliant on this thing, the machine. None of them know how it works, but they've shut themselves up. Uh, they don't like seeing each other face-to-face. It kind of makes them uncomfortable to have you know, sort of live contact with each other. Yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> They'd much prefer to FaceTime or just talk to each other in lecture format. Then suddenly the machine stops working starts to degrade. Nobody knows how to fix it and they realise that it's all going to fall apart and they're going to have to go outside and the, you know, the surface of the earth is a wasteland. And people who have put up with just the machine as you know, the only thing on offer, they've all been made homeless. They've been chucked out. And it turns out when you go outside, you can just about survive on the surface of the earth. You know, but this homeless is the real underclass and they're the ones that are not connected to the machine until, of course, the machine stops and then they're the only ones who aren't screwed. It's not often I can say this when I've just listened to you monologue. <laughs> that sounds absolutely brilliant. It is brilliant. It's really well worth the I read. I obviously haven't read it, but I'm going to read yeah, it. Have you got a copy I can It's free online, ironically. What really. is our big question going to be then? So the big question we're going to look at is, could someone turn off the internet? Well, I like it. And who have we tracked down to blow this question wide open? Milton Muller, uh-huh. Professor at the Georgia Institute of Technology and the co-founder of the Internet Governance Project. What is an internet? Would you mind just you know, sharing that with us for, for, the, for the four or five people who don't know what an internet is, would you tell us? Um, the internet, obviously. is. So there is no the internet. What we call the internet is actually a network of tens of thousands of different networks. It runs as software. It creates a virtual world. It is not hardware. 
Now, of course, you still have to run the Internet protocol on some kind of physical layer facility. So you will have a variety of physical media ranging from probably the most common in the United States is the cable modem-based Internet access. And then there's the telephone-based Internet access, which runs on modems that go over copper wires. There is fiber-based internet access, and uh, you can indeed get internet access via satellite, although you have a latency issue there. 17 stories up in his fashionable North Beach apartment, Richard Halloran is calling a local number that will connect him with a computer in Columbus, Ohio. One of the historically unique things about the internet was that it created an ability for anybody to declare themselves a network and become globally interconnected. Before that, if you were going to offer a communication service, you probably had to get a license or some kind of an approval from your government. And the internet sort of said, if you install this software in your computers and you start running it and you connect to a telecommunications line, then voila, you are part of the internet. Eight newspapers around the country are currently in the computer network, and within the next few weeks, three others will join in. This is there was very little control in the early days. People joined the network. The governments were not really paying attention. It kind of took them by surprise. And everybody started to develop new services, new ideas, new content. And that flourished into the Internet that we knew up until the last uh, 10 years or so. I've got to send something for my mom's birthday. It's tomorrow. I'll then book plane tickets for our trip next week, and my kids got to go to the library to look up dinosaurs. Hey, we can take care of all that before we go. Yeah, right. Oh, with America Online. America Online can do all that? Now, since then, there's been more and more efforts to control the Internet at the national level, for example, by blocking and filtering certain websites or by controlling what Internet service providers can do nationally. Well, the U.S. refused to cede control of the Internet yesterday as countries lobbied hard at the first ever summit on the... And there's also greater concentration of the businesses that are running the most popular internet services. It's now your source for one-click shopping for everything, from running shoes to movies to groceries to, yes, inflatable unicorn horns for cats. Just need to think of big websites like Amazon in which uh, hundreds of millions of people concentrate on a particular platform. Mastermind and CEO Jeff Bezos always planned on the site evolving into much, much more than that. Still, it would be overly simplistic to say Mr. Smith in Beijing, China, controls the Internet or that anybody controls the Internet. It's still a network of networks. So it's still a, a game of cat and mouse, and there are efforts to control, and there are lots of efforts to evade control. Take me back to the start then, Brooksy. Where did the internet come from originally? So the internet started as a kind of military project uh, to link up lots of computers together on a single network. And uh, then sort of through the 70s, people started developing protocols for sending data across these kinds of networks. Uh, So the the classic is the Transmission Control Protocol and Internet Protocol, which you know as TCP stroke IP, which if you ever have to go into your network settings and all that, on your computer, you'll see. And then it sort of, you know, grew from there. Universities started to be connected up and they had you know, their own sort of academic networks for sharing content. 
And then Tim Berners-Lee at CERN uh, in 1990 invented the World Wide Web, which is not the same as the internet. So the World Wide Web is something that sits on this network right. and effectively allows people to share documents, whether HTML, you know, web pages, mm. or actual Word documents, send them back and forth and things like that. So that was kind of what he envisaged as scientists being able to share all their information around easily. So, so, so the World Wide Web and the internet aren't the same thing. They're the World not Wide the Web same is something thing. that operates on the internet yeah exactly it's a service on the internet but the okay. internet as it we think of it is actually the sort of physical structure of the fibers and everything else the wires that kind of network the world together and in some cases presumably it is unwired with wi-fi yes so does anyone own the internet well it's sort of tricky to say so what you have is what's now known as tier one providers so in the in the u.s it was at&t Right. And Verizon, people like that. In the UK, it's a company called Liberty Global, which you've probably never heard of. No. They are the sort of root provider of services on the internet in the UK. Oh, so I would have assumed it was like BT or... I think it used to be British Telecom. I think they were bought out. Liberty Global sounds suspiciously American Yes, it is. Yeah. So, so the Americans own our internet over here. So there's basically a few tier one internet companies... And they control all the infrastructure. And so do they own the infrastructure or do they just control it? They own the infrastructure. So in a way, there are people who do own bits of the internet then? Yeah. The layer on top of that is that when we type in web addresses or whatever else, yeah. so you type in you know, www.scienceish.org, for example. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, which is the website of a quite successful podcast. Hmm. And, uh, and then that will send you to our website, obviously. But actually, the map, the directory of you know whose site is where, is owned by ICANN, which is the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. Uh, this is all very sexy stuff, I know. You know, yeah. hold yourself back. Yeah. Uh, so so this, this whole sort of layer of bureaucracy where uh, ICANN sort of has power over, you know, who gets to name their website what and where it lives and what, you know, what numbers are assigned to it. It's sort of like they own the phone directory kind of thing. But hang on, they're just keeping a record of it, are they? So they're kind of gatekeepers in a way. Because, you know, without ICANN, you can't get So have they got quite domain. a lot of power then? Yeah, they have. They have a lot of power. Um, and could they take down scienceish.org if they wanted to? Yes, they could. Motherfuckers! Well, don't say that. <laughs> they're not going to, obviously, because they're making a lot of money, because there's so much traffic uh, going to the it. site. Yeah, that's yeah. true, actually. Yeah, 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 so okay, so the, the deeper you go, the more you sort of realise that actually there's a few companies that own all the infrastructure, and then you've got this company, ICANN, which is now a private company, or not not-for-profit company, uh, which has now been compared to FIFA. In that It's sort of completely unaccountable. It has these directors who have basically voted not to ever have themselves replaced. Sure. It used to be kind of owned by the US government, and people weren't very happy with that. So it was sort of hived off into a separate company, and then the directors got themselves double-digit salary increases. <laughs> I mean, you would, though, wouldn't you? And all these domain names and the addresses that they're assigned to and things like this, uh, it's all kind of held in massive secret vaults. You don't want anybody else to be able to access this and change it and reroute the way traffic goes. Uh, so how are internet. we talking about physical vaults? So there are actually physical keys, and actually you have this sort of strange situation where four times a year, there are seven key holders who meet 
for a key ceremony where they generate a new master key. What? For, like, you know, making sure that nobody can get into the ICANN vault and change all the stuff that's been set up. So it's, it's all, it's all like, like weird kind of Freemason-ish kind of... Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like Masons. It's a carefully scripted ceremony for maximum transparency. Each step is carefully lined out. Uh, we have a room full of, oh, wow, about 30, 35 people that will be watching every, every part of this step. Some will be participating in this process as well. So seven people, seven keys? And, or? and seven virgins yeah. have to come into the ceremony. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. It's just the more you go into this, the weirder it gets. It's not anything where people uh, hum or have some sort of strange uh, you know, ritual or anything like that. I think sometimes it gets misunderstood. It's, it's just a very formal process. And they are doing that so they can make a new master key yeah, that only they can have access to. That only they can access to. Uh, so the ICANN database, you know, if anything goes wrong, obviously you've got to rebuild the whole thing yeah. from the start. So they, you know, this is part of the maintenance routine is like constantly regenerating a master key and the physical keys that they have unlock safe deposit boxes and um, which are in various sort of geographical locations around the world. Then there'll be a process of actually pulling out equipment from various safes these are the class five, uh, GSA class five safes that are used by the federal uh, government. And they do have seismic sensors and they also have uh, door sensors. It's like a plot from a film. <laughs> it's just mad. And that releases seven smart cards, which you put together. And then you put those together and that, that gives you the master key, which is like a computer code, a password, effectively. But that can then access the ICANN database. Uh, the fucking Power Rangers or something. <laughs> It's mad. So like, every now and then people write stuff about this ceremony and ICANN gets really annoyed about it. Oh, do people take the piss out of this seven-key <laughs> ceremony? I'm so sorry, ICANN. <laughs> um, mostly because like journalists always call it the keys to the internet. So like they imagine like, you know, that these people hold the keys to the internet and then they get together and like hold the keys together and like light comes out of it and then the internet switches off. Well, I mean, that is what it sounds like. <laughs> Trump says we ought to close that internet thing. The question really is, what does he mean by that? Like they do in North Korea? Like they do in China? There are lots of different ways, uh, unfortunately too many ways to disable or cripple or hamper particular applications on the internet or networks on the internet. But the idea of disabling the internet is pretty far-fetched at the moment, precisely because it is a network of interconnecting networks. And if you do succeed in disabling significant parts of it by finding some sort of strategic point of concentration where there's a lot of interdependency that affects a bunch of different networks, it's quite likely that's going to be relatively temporary. That is to say, a matter of hours rather than a matter of months or days. There are two outstanding examples of efforts to shut down the internet. One of them is this uh, sort of shutting down the internet in a country. Whenever communications gets better, uh, governments that thrive by restricting information find it very difficult today. In effect, in countries, usually smaller authoritarian countries, the governments possess enough authority over the physical layer telecommunication companies to tell them to just turn off the functioning of the internet for a definite period of time. It's not that hard to shut the internet down if you have military power where you can 
tell people that that's what's going to happen. You can also essentially turn off the switches, turn off the electricity. And we saw some examples of that in, I think it was Cameroon, where you have uh, battles between the English-speaking parts of that country and the French-speaking parts, and the French-dominated government uh, decided that they would turn off the Internet in the English-speaking parts. The Anglophone regions of Cameroon are currently without internet. A blackout on internet Many internet cafes, microfinance institutions, and money transfer agencies had to shut down. This is an extremely expensive thing because it's so indiscriminate. You're not just pinpointing a problem, you are shutting it down for everybody. Tech entrepreneurs have continued to suffer as a government-issued internet shutdown enters its third month. We are losing money. Some other clients, we are scared to take their projects because we are not stable, which means we're also losing money. Now, the other category of attempts to attack or shut down the entire Internet uh, centers on the domain name system's root servers. Because of some early technical limitations on the Internet, there are only 13 of them, but there are various ways of mirroring these 13 basic root servers and having different instances of them distributed throughout the world. So in general, we think the domain name system is quite resilient. So, okay, tricky to turn off the internet because it's a network of networks, yada, yada, yada. (laughs) But is there like a a sweet red button somewhere that someone could just push and uh, see a later internet? No. But, you know, you can sort of but, shut down okay, a region. Localized. Yeah. yeah. So if you're in Egypt or Turkey and, you know, you've got a bit of an uprising going on and you want to stop people communicating with each other, then you basically, you know, you lean on your mates who are operating the telecoms companies and then all of a sudden, you know, you find that the internet isn't working in Turkey. So, you know, you can, you can have a localized shutdown. That's not through some sort of kill switch. That's through speaking to the right people who are running the right bits of that infrastructure. Yeah, telling them to hit the kill switch, yeah. though, in a, in a sense. So lots of politicians have talked about having an internet kill switch. Big discussions in the US about whether there should be a centralised kind of way for the White House to just flick mm. the switch. I mean, you know, hopefully Donald Trump wouldn't get his buttons confused. He's <laughs> like, oh, I meant to turn off the inter- internet, not launch an intercontinental ballistic missile. Or well, actually, I meant to order a Diet Coke. <laughs> but I'm guessing that if I knock out a certain amount of the physical network, if I target specific areas, I would be able to do it. It'd have to be quite a carefully coordinated strike. Yeah. Are there not areas that I could attack that would really put it into some trouble? You'd have to hit all the cables at the same time. And, and the whole point is you can't just do that. But they're, they're not like bottlenecks or like bits where there's lots of traffic passing through. I can just knock them all out in one fell Well, those, those bits are you know, highly, highly protected. So there's about 30-odd places around the world, key sort of exchange hub. Right. One, there's one in London, in Docklands, called the London Internet Exchange, or Lynx. Uh-huh. And that is a very, very secure building. A massive sort of grey monolith, you know, barbed wire, security guards. You don't get in there very easily. Oh, but hang on, if I take that out... There's like, you know, 29 other places around the world that are equivalent. And the thing you can do is, uh, you know, if you could find all the internet cables and just stick a spade through them. So back in 2011, there was a a Georgian woman who was scavenging copper around Uh various places. And she managed to put a spade through the internet wire and Armenia lost its internet. 
The whole of Armenia. <laughs> the whole of Armenia. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you could have a, an army of 75-year-old 70, women with spades taking out the internet. But, I mean, generally, you know, it's really incredibly resilient. Then, has it been designed that way specifically, or is it just sort of that's the way it's emerged? No, it's designed that way. So we came up with, in the 60s and 70s, a thing called um, packet switching, for instance. So you have a message, you break it up into packets, yeah. and you send all those packets through different routes through the internet. And so, and then they reassemble. So they know where all, they're all going. They've all got their sort of destination on. Yeah. And when they get there, they're reassembled, and you, you can't just intercept a whole message at any one time, so you can't snoop on the data in, in that way. Oh, that's and it's just a way of kind of making the whole thing really resilient to any part of the network going down. Is there anything sort of outside of human interference that could knock it out? Yeah. So the one thing, obviously, it relies on is electricity. Yeah. And so the way you could knock out the internet is if you had a massive solar flare. So in 1859, there was a thing called the Carrington event, where the sun just gobbed out this massive ball of plasma in yeah. our direction. And yeah. it came down and hit our atmosphere, caused enormous problems for the, the Victorian telegraph system, where you know we just got these massive currents induced in all the wires on Earth, and sort of all the communications went haywire. You know, we've had nothing as big as that one, but we have had solar storms like that that have taken out, you know, a power grid in quite large areas. How good are we at predicting solar storms? Not at all. So, so actually, they would come faster than we could issue a warning for. Even if you knew it was coming, is there anything you could do? You could turn stuff off. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea actually is that if you know the it's sun's coming, gobbing out flares, turn the toaster yeah, off, <laughs> turn everything off. So you, you isolate all the main grids so you don't get a cascade of, of disasters. But that would be the basic way in which you could take the internet down is just, just with a massive solar flare. Uh, but it's, you know, it, I... it's not really going to happen, I don't think. So even though it feels quite unlikely that the internet is going to get knocked out, I still want to know what would happen to us if it did. Mostly, tech has worked smoothly while hatching innovations that make our lives easier. Experts say computers, though, could bring more headaches as they link up with billions of electronic devices and appliances. Cameras, uh, phones, refrigerators, toasters, all of these types of Internet of Things devices are all actually computers. The Internet is increasingly interwoven deeply into everything we do. You pull down your financial information and your news. Of course, the social uh, aspects of the Internet are profound. And then there's so-called cyber-physical, in which the actual infrastructure that we are relying on is dependent upon information that is distributed through the internet. So even if the system itself is independent of the internet, it's become more and more infused into everything we do, whether it's physical or virtual. The vulnerability of our technology and computer networks dominated the day for travelers and for Wall Street. Two major enterprises that are part of our critical infrastructure, one financial, one transportation, had system, systemic failures that brought their whole systems down. Now, problem I don't understand why flight delays and 60 cancellations. Then shortly before noon, what was labeled a technical problem... what we would call logic bombs, these digital hand, hand grenades that are sitting in our financial systems. As I say systems, to my children, step away from the technology. technology. 
Internet technology is becoming more secure and more resilient over time. Some people are kind of assuming that the Internet, meaning every one of the 60,000 autonomous systems and millions of applications and billions of devices are going to be perfectly secure. And that's kind of like asking, is the city of London uh, secure? Of course, there are hundreds of thousands of different buildings and places in the city of London, and some of them are more secure than others, and some of them have better practices than others. And every once in a while, something can happen that affects a lot of people. But with respect to cybersecurity, I think we are becoming more and more aware of the problems. And even though the bad guys and criminals and disruptors are developing new techniques, we are also developing more and more ways of responding to those techniques and more awareness about the things that can go wrong. So I'm cautiously optimistic. I recognize it's an ongoing struggle, but the idea that the internet is fundamentally insecure because it's not perfectly secure, I think is just a wrong way to think about the problem. Okay, so Professor Mueller's, he, he feels all right about it. Yeah, yeah. He I, thinks we're, it's very unlikely that the internet is going to get knocked down entirely. Could you cope if it did? I'll tell you what I'd struggle with slightly is knowing what to do when I was on the toilet. <laughs> you know, like... Well, we didn't say the cellular network was down, so, you know, you just have to phone somebody or, you know... Yeah, actually, no, do you know what Or I'm read right. a book like people play, used to. Um, that's true. I mean, you used to have books and magazines in your toilet. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd be... I think I'd be okay because I think I can play backgammon against my phone as well. And I don't think that needs an internet connection. <laughs> so I'd be quite happy. <laughs> little insight into your life there. Yeah. 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 How about you? Well, I, I think I'd really struggle. I mean, I'd struggle. You'd have to go to libraries and things like that to do any research, wouldn't you? Imagine that. You'd be you know, pouring over a microfiche again. It's like going back in time, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Well, we, we sort of outsource knowledge now don't yeah. we like there's no there's no particular reason to know facts and figures no anymore because you can look them up immediately you blag them first obviously and yeah of course and so, hope that nobody else looks them up yeah and uh, but if push comes to shove you can look them up yeah i wonder if that's what's happening with memories as well like you feel like you've kind of got an online memory yeah like photos in the cloud or whatever yeah you'd, really you'd, be, printing, you'd be going down to snappy snaps again wouldn't you, you printing would. out your photos yeah all right, so we're kind of saying, yes, the internet is secure. It's not going to be sort of hackable. Nobody's going to be able to turn it off. But there is one little wrinkle in this, which is actually the internet could turn itself off. What? So there are some people who think the internet might have a sliver of consciousness already. <laughs> okay. Because it is a complex network that's actually surprisingly like our brains. Mm -hmm. And, you know, incredibly complex network, in fact, now. Yeah. And so there are people who are saying, well, actually, you know, maybe it could have a sliver of consciousness. It could have a sense of, of itself. Uh, you know, I was uh, talking to people back at the turn of, uh, well, back in 2000 or so, uh, who were sort of saying, if we build the internet in a certain way so that it reinforces its own knowledge, becomes aware of the gaps in its knowledge, and mm. et cetera, et cetera, then actually we might be building a network that becomes really self-aware and then wakes up and sort of says, well, actually, you know, I need some more knowledge and I've identified you as the person with that knowledge, I'd like you to feed that in, please. So basically demanding essays from people, you know, to fill in gaps in its own knowledge, and uh, and cutting them off if they don't do it. So it's possible the internet could cut us off from it, rather than us turning it off. So effectively we're talking about the internet kind of waking up. Yeah, yeah. 
And the reason that we think that might be possible is that we've created a network that is fabulously complex. So lots of different little nodes connected to thousands of other little nodes, which is quite similar to our our brain. Yeah, so lots of neuroscientists have weighed in on this and said, you know, nobody's saying it is conscious, nobody's saying it is waking up. But But it's a slightly familiar system. It has an architecture that sort of is slightly redolent of of what we know of as things that can be conscious. So Christoph Koch has said it, Dan Dennett has said that there's sort of potential of a mind, you know, a global brain, effectively. What would its, what would its goals and aims... So its goals... What would it want to do? <laughs> well, it would want to know everything. So it would be like, you know, the ultimate student, effectively, where... Why would it want to know everything? Why because then be it its... would feel complete. Right. So it's always striving for completion. So it wants to make sure there's no gaps in its knowledge. Only, obviously, it can't provide its own knowledge. So what it would have to do is identify those Re- who have the knowledge. People. Recruit people. Hmm. And, and probably threaten to cut them off from the internet and their Ocado shopping <laughs> if they don't comply. So, you know, we might have created a monster and we might find not, ourselves But it doesn't off. sound like it's a, a particularly dangerous monster. Well, it's just like a keen student. <laughs> but what if it's not getting what it wants? So, so it would cut off your electricity supply, say. And you failed to do the research it asked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you missed its deadline. <laughs> What's the matter? I don't know. I need to get on WebMD and see why I have this cough, but I can't. (coughs) What if my sweetheart is online looking for me? He could be wondering why I don't get online with him. Maybe he thinks I'm dead. You're right. We can't just sit here any longer. So, uh, little rundown then. Can someone turn off the internet? No. I don't think so. I think that if you went to those 30 very well-guarded hub exchanges across the world yeah, and somehow knock those out, the internet's had it. Tell me I'm wrong. I want to tell you you're wrong. Obviously, you're right in a sense, but it's such a big uh, if. No, no, no need. It's such no, a big absolutely if. Absolutely, no need to keep talking. It's like, how are you going to do that exactly without some kind of you know I'm massive an army? Extremely coordinated terrorist organisation. <laughs> Science Sessions the Radio Wolfgang production presented by me, Rick Edwards, and Dr. Michael Brooks. The producers were Cormac McAuliffe and L. Scott. Sound designed by Ivor Slayer Manley. Special thanks to Professor Milton Mueller. If you like the show, please subscribe and rate and review us on whatever app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at science underscore ish or go to our website, um, which I can tell us is available at scienceish.org. Can I, uh, can I just read a couple of things from the story? A couple of sentences yep. here in there. Super exclusive bonus at the end of this episode of Science-ish. Uh, Dr. Michael Brooks is going to give a reading from The Machine Stops by E.M. Forster. Brooksy. In the armchair, there sits a swaddled lump of flesh. A woman, about five feet high, with a face as white as a fungus. What's happening here? I just like that. So this is this is the woman. She's the protagonist of the of the, of the film, and uh, she says it's a disastrous waste of time to spend time with real people when you could be exchanging ideas and lectures with others. TED talks. 
The machine, they exclaimed, feeds us and clothes us and houses us. Through it we speak to one another, through it we see one another, in it we have our being. The machine is the friend of ideas and the enemy of superstition. The machine is omnipotent, eternal. Blessed is the machine. Oh dear, the machine's conscious. No one confessed the machine was out of hand. Year by year, it was served with increased efficiency and decreased intelligence. The better a man knew his own duties upon it, the less he understood the duties of his neighbour. And in all the world, there was not one who understood the monster as a whole. Except the monster itself. Your computer makes thousands of connections every day just like the one it's making now to deliver you your audio content. Why not unlock some little connections of your own? Pick up a box of Cadbury Heroes today, stay at home and share them with your family or friends. Sometimes it's the little things that bring us together. 